0: Hello and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia and here's my co-host Morgan. Hello. So this week we put our episode theme up on Patreon as a kind of poll situation. People could decide whether or not we should watch Solo and the overwhelming majority said yes. And So Morgan has now seen Solo. To give just a little plot summary for those who haven't seen it, we will be spoiling this movie, but it is of course the prequel to the original Star Wars trilogy, focusing inexplicably on Han Solo. And it kind of fills in his backstory. You know, it starts off when he is a young man on Corellia, which is basically, it's like a shipbuilding planet where he's a petty criminal. And his girlfriend is played by Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones. Her name's Kira. And, you know, they get separated. So he spends the rest of his early 20s trying to get back to Corellia so he can save his girlfriend. And the bulk of the story is a heist where he works together with a team of other characters, uh, led by Woody Harrelson, literally playing a Woody Harrelson stock character, um, where they have to steal some fuel rods from a baddie and then sell them to Paul Bettany, who's a crime boss. And it turns out that Kira all along has been, uh, Paul Bettany's new personal assistant slash sex friend. Um, they don't really go into that, but like, yeah, it's, it's a, It's a not very comedic action comedy. Like it's not funnier than the other Star Wars films but I think people were maybe expecting it to be so. So that's kind of the basic story of what happens but like the backstory of the actual film itself has been very kind of public, which also did happen with Rogue One but with this one it was a lot bigger of a deal because they literally fired the original directors. They hired uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are known for comedy animation movies like the Lego movie and they filmed essentially the entire movie. They, They were filming for five months, which is about the amount of time it takes to film a film of this size, before they were let go and replaced very rapidly by Ron Howard who then reshot around 70% of the footage and essentially delivered a new movie so he has the full directorial credit which is a really unusual level of fuck up like with Rogue One you know the original director Gareth Edwards directed a film and then someone else came in and like fixed it with some new scenes kind of situation this was very different um I would actually say that you cannot really notice that it's been refilmed maybe because they refilmed the whole fucking thing with Han Solo um but yeah, this has got a bit of a messy backstory, and I think neither of us were really impressed with the end result. And you know, I'm saying this as a diehard Star Wars film.
1: <laughs> yeah, this movie is bad. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's a bad it's, film.
0: It's not necessary, is how I was describing it in my review. Yes. Because it's um, not the worst film. It's definitely because I watch like most of these big tentpole blockbusters, and it's not that it's significantly worse, it's that Star Wars should kind of be an event rather than, like, here's another blockbuster. And this movie was fucking $300 million spent on a completely pointless story executed not very well.
1: And, I, and we don't actually know how much money it really cost. And I strongly suspect it was a great deal more than whatever they're publicly admitting because they basically had to make it twice, which is bad. For those of you who are not familiar with Lord and Miller, they also made uh, 21 and 22 Jump Street, which is what I know them for. I've actually never seen Lego Batman, although I've heard very good things. And when they were originally hired, a certain subsection of sort of film Twitter was very excited because their work is mainstream, but very beloved by a lot of critics because it's very sort of smart, dumb comedy. I really love 21 Jump Street. I think it's a
0: great movie. Yeah, It's it's great. It's really funny.
1: Yeah, and the thought was, oh, maybe there will, this will be a kind of different thing. I was never enthusiastic about the idea of a Han Solo movie, like, who gives no. a shit? But I was like, well, these guys are really sort of interesting and original, and maybe they'll do a different kind of spin. If they're going to be doing all of these extra Star Wars movies, they may as well give us something that's, like, not exactly the same. And when they fired them, it was just like, oh, my God. You never know what's going on behind the scenes of a movie. Like, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes of this movie. There could have been any number of extenuating circumstances. Kathleen Kennedy, who runs Lucasfilm, is, like, an extremely competent professional woman, and I don't want to denigrate her. However, based on the end product that we have gotten, it really does seem like they wanted something very safe and down the middle that wasn't going to kind of rock the boat in terms of what Star Wars is from a creative standpoint. And that means that this movie is just boring. It's so dull. I was bored the whole fucking time and it was really long. 2 hours and 20 minutes. It was
0: really long. Yeah. It's not an epic. It's a no. it's a heist movie and it's it's not snappy because um it's written by uh Lawrence and Jonathan Castan so um, Lawrence Castan wrote Empire Strikes Back, and he wrote uh, the first Indiana Jones movie. So, and he's also like, he's very familiar with the character Han Solo. And one of the kind of things that they've discussed publicly about the behind the scenes issues, along with like Lord and Miller maybe being too funny and improvisational, like too comedic, is that apparently they were straying too far from Lawrence Castan's script. And I would say that this movie does give, like, a portrayal of Han Solo that I feel, like, I'm like, this is a good character, like, Alden Ehrenreich's performance is really solid in what was probably a really fucking difficult role with a lot of pressure. Yeah, so, like, with Kazdan, right, it's like the He's known for these movies that are just like they're very kind of very like fast paced adventure stories. There's one thing happening after another. And like, you know, it's disaster after disaster, which is kind of what's happening in this movie. But it's taking too long and it should be a full on heist movie. Right. Because they were actually talking about Rogue One as a heist movie when that movie was coming out. Right. And nominally, both of them are. But with this film, it should be like a snappy Ocean's Eleven situation. And it is not. It's just the same tone as other Star Wars movies, but without any of the kind of weighty significance and religious and political themes, you know, it's like they've got, you obviously see like the Empire being oppressive, but it's like, this is not fun in the way that it should be fun.
1: I would be so curious to read the original script. I mean, I would be so curious to know everything about what happened with this film, because I wasn't thinking particularly about all of the -the behind-the-scenes drama while I was watching it. The second it was over, uh, our friend Elizabeth and I, who I saw it with, it started breaking it down in that context. But as I was watching it, I wasn't really thinking about it. Whereas with Rogue One, which I enjoyed a lot more while watching, although I now don't think it's a particularly great film, I do think it's better than this for sure, you could kind of tell with that that it was messed with after the fact. It's not that you can tell like, oh, this guy did this scene and this guy did that scene, but especially in the last third of the movie or so, there's just a sense watching it that things have been moved around and edited in a different, in a sort of odd way. And it it just feels like there were more than one set of hands in the pot. With this, you don't really get that sense, I think. And that's a credit to them for doing a really good job with all the, you know, reshooting mm-hmm. and rehiring and whatever. But when you stop to think about it, it like so much of the movie in terms of the script and the plot and what's going on is really just like does either does it make sense or it's really loose and like way over long, or just things don't ever really come together in a way that is very unsatisfying. And I'm really curious about whether that was in the original script and it just wasn't that great, or whether that is a result of them basically remaking this movie on the fly. Like, I have no idea. Well...
0: So what the things they were discussing is essentially the, the final product is closer to the original script mm-hmm. than what Lord and Miller's was. And also, I don't think they had time to do that kind of rewrite, because when they're talking about what happened with the changeover, it's like they hired Ron Howard, then everyone was back on set a week later in filming, you know, with one of the characters got recast, like originally the kind of main villain, the crime boss played by Paul Bettany, uh, Dryden Vos, and the original version was Michael K. Williams was playing him. and He was an alien. He was going to be this kind of mountain lion alien. Um, and it sounded, you know, really interesting. And obviously, when you're reshooting this fast, you don't have time to CGI everything. And Michael K. Williams had um, a commitment uh, somewhere else, so. Paul Bettany happened to be texting Ron Howard, texting him being like, hey, you've got the new Star Wars movie. Any roles for me? And then two weeks later, Paul Bettany was on set filming this movie because he is like Ron Howard, someone who is basically very reliable and happened to be free. <laughs> and I mean, he's fine. Like, obviously, I love me some Paul Bettany. He's got a lovely, beautiful costume in this in this movie, but he is just not an interesting character. He's just like an evil man in the same way that Woody Harrelson is playing untrustworthy mentor you know, he's like, oh, I'm crime man. Like, <laughs> right. it's like, because it's a situation, I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't begrudge Woody Harrelson taking the role, because everyone is going to take a role in Star Wars, but the idea of casting him is such an incredibly obvious and boring casting choice. And then what they actually do with his character is terrible. I don't know if you want to discuss him and Val now or kind of wait till a bit later. Yeah, let's do
1: that later when we talk about the woman yeah. problems. But I totally agree. I love Woody Harrelson. I think he's... T- wonderful. I enjoy his acting so much in general. And he just was not that interesting in this movie because what they gave him to do, as you say, was so generic. And I found that to be the case with most of the performances. I just, I just did not think the script was very good. And then I thought that they had not done a good job editing it down. And again, this gets to all the production woes. So like at the beginning, near the beginning of the movie, there's an incredibly long train heist sequence and it goes on and on
0: well that was the point like during that scene that was the point where i realized i was writing my review in my head while i was watching it which is not something that you should ever be doing (laughs) like you should be focusing on the film and i was sitting there like what's my lead gonna be (laughs) right and i really enjoy good
1: action movies i enjoy a good heist film and number one, I was not entirely clear what the heist was, which may just have been me not paying attention, but I was sort of like, It was what? pretty
0: clear. They explained to yeah. me, basically, like, we're going to steal some fuel rods and it's like, right. fine.
1: But, like, it, it just went on for so long that I became incredibly bored, and then- I mean, we'll say this now. We'll discuss all the issues of the women later. Like, Tandy Newton winds up blowing herself up to blow up the bridge because, like, this has to happen. It's the only way to finish it. She must sacrifice herself. And they have not set up in any satisfying way like, why that has to happen. And there's all kinds of stuff like that in the movie where it just feels like they need to have an, a certain thing happen. And so then they kind of half acidly have a certain number of events leading up to it but it's all because the end thing has to happen not because the events make sense leading up to it if that makes any sense and of course when you're writing a screenplay or anything oftentimes you do come up with the final thing first and that's fine but you have to trick the audience into thinking that it that that's not how it worked and i just found it very very frustrating in that way and if you were to actually lay out the plot Like in a more detailed way to someone who hadn't seen the movie, it wouldn't be that complicated. But when you're actually watching it because it's so baggy, it does not feel propulsive at all.
0: It doesn't have really intensive emotional connections. Right. Which is like which is kind of one of the key issue with Han Solo. It's like the main problem with this movie is something that I think myself and a lot of people kind of predicted in advance, which is that Han Solo is not a well-suited character to this kind of like making a whole movie about him because his character development all takes place in the original trilogy. Like I'm sure our listeners have already thought about this. I don't really have to reiterate it that much more, but this is a character who's already been explored and his background concept he's not improved by knowing his backstory and in terms of the overall tone um i mean i feel like the kind of subtitle of our podcast should be i think i enjoyed it more than you morgan because i did enjoy it more than you morgan but like i was like this is quite a fun film but uh, it's the same way in which like there's i wouldn't i didn't i mean i actively disliked ant-man but this is essentially the ant-man of the star wars franchise because it's not necessary but it's also just like it's fine and that's not something that i feel like there should be room for in the star wars movies. like this has been already been talked about in many think pieces the idea that there shouldn't be too many star wars movies cuz they should be special. and you know obviously they're going to keep making them if they make money, which this hasn't. but like the the impression i got kind of when i was thinking about the film afterwards is that it feels like star wars because The kind of Star Wars universe is incredibly deep and well written and they've got this massive infrastructure of people who are doing concept design and character design and all that kind of stuff. And they've got this political background that they can really lean a lot of stuff on. So all of the kind of surrounding materials are still just as good as they are in the other films. Like it's perhaps not as imaginative as The Last Jedi, but you're still like, well done, that's a cool alien and so forth but it's just built around nothing. And that's not something you can say of any of the other Star Wars movies. Like if you've listened to our Phantom Menace podcast, I fucking talked per Morgan's ear off about how I'm just like, I love the deep emotional concepts behind the Phantom Menace, even though it's like a trash movie where all the dialogue is absolute nonsense, right? And this was the opposite where it was like, you know, you've got a few funny lines. Like obviously some of the actors are great. Like everyone loves Lando. um, And like Phoebe Waller-Bridge's droid was fun, but like there's nothing there. And it doesn't like, Hansel doesn't really go through like a major life-changing experience, and they kind of even like they, ha- they kind of hang a lampshade off that in the first scene because he has this moment where like he's confronting someone and then kind of like gets out of it by fucking up, which is a classic Hansel of move, but he's like someone's like, "You'll never learn, will you?" And it's like that's the point. He is a static character, and that has like a lot of pathos when he's old, and you realize that like Chewy's basically looking after him and like he's fucked up his life and all this stuff, and it's a very measurable story, but that's the interesting part. Him being 22 and being bad at crime is not interesting. And there were two separate occasions in this film where like, a powerful and accomplished woman is like, you're just really great. <laughs> which I was like, I couldn't, because like, even though my review was like, you're going to find this fun if you like that kind of thing, which is true. um, You should never have a moment where a powerful woman is like, Han Solo, you're great. That's the opposite of what Han Solo should be. And most of the film had a pretty good handle on his character, even though the film itself was a bit of a drag. They have Kira be like, you're the good guy. Why is she saying this? She's not manipulating him. She seems sincere. And then at the end, this like really cool rebel character appears out of essentially nowhere and is like, we need warriors and leaders like you. Like what? He's 22. (laughs) He spent the whole movie falling on his ass. Like, just, yeah. So, within the Star Wars franchise, it is disappointing. Well, two points.
1: One, about the sort of infrastructure stuff. In terms of the visuals, I totally agree. It looked well, we had different cinematography experiences. I think the projection yeah. was bad in some theaters. Because I was complaining
0: about how murky this was. I yeah, was like, I, was, I was like, what the hell's going on? Because it didn't have the range of color palette and so forth that you see in the Star Wars movies. But Morgan.
1: Which is too bad because mine looked really beautiful. Um... Uh, Bradford Young did the cinematography for this. Who did Arrival and Selma and various other things? His movies tend to be quite dark but very rich in tone, which is the experience that I had. However, if they are having this issue in mainstream projections, then that's a problem. But in terms of the you know character design, the set design, etc., like I thought all of that was great. But it was so jargony. It was unbelievable. Like the number of times that someone just whipped out a term that i was like i don't know what that is and i will never know oh, like what like it is amazing to me that you did not notice this it was endless oh no i
0: don't i don't mean that i mean i've just forgotten like i'm sure I, there was stuff where i was like i was have no thought.
1: idea okay. because that, none of them meant anything to me and there was so much of that that felt very much like they were trying to you know reward the fans and there's plenty of room for that in genre stuff like I mean, the original Star Wars. Obviously, they're referring to all kinds of things that don't exist. And it doesn't matter if you don't know exactly what they're talking about, like the various parts of the Millennium Falcon that you have to hit while you're flying, right? Like that's fine. But it was to an ex- it was to a point that it was so extreme that I was just like, I don't know what you mean. This is you need to desist. Please stop. So that was very distracting to me, and I felt sort of reflected the extent to which they'd gotten lost in the weeds of all the world-building stuff, which obviously is some of the most impressive world-building in modern popular culture, but it can't just be that. You have to have themes also. And I actually thought the characterization of Han was like not particularly great or interesting.
0: I mean, I don't think it
1: revealed anything. Well, no, but it also didn't... like For most of the movie, I was sort of like, this is just a guy, and it doesn't matter and then the big thing at the end revolves around him deciding to make the ethical choice and give the MacGuffin to like the rebels who as you say have appeared out of literally nowhere sure okay and I was like Han Solo would not fucking do that like please the whole point like he shows up at the beginning of the first Star Wars movie and it's like quite bad like that's the whole idea and then slowly over the course of them get slightly slightly better right and so not that he's like the worst person ever or anything but the idea that he'd be like i just i just want to help people i was like i do not believe this for a second like this is preposterous and it felt to me like they needed to have him be like heroic right and help the cause because that's
0: what star wars characters do and i was like but that doesn't like no because the two ways to do this right are to do a comedy one which is what most people were expecting or to kind of go the grittier route, which I assume is what they're doing with Boba Fett if that does actually end up getting made. But like, they didn't do either of those because like it was a more kind of child friendly movie than Rogue One by far. But they had like the thing that I kept sticking on was like they have this character, Kira, who is kind of implied that like maybe she's Dryden Vos's lover, but they don't make that explicitly clear so they don't have to handle the concept that she might have been like sexually trafficked because like she is essentially owned by him and is part of his crime organisation and she keeps making these weighty comments about like, oh I've done darker things than you can imagine and the whole thing is set in like the criminal underworld but it doesn't have the kind of mature grittiness of making a Godfather movie because obviously they can't do that so it's stuck in this weird hinterland
1: yeah It's right, it's just very sort of awkwardly placed, like they don't really know what to do with it. And I think that, again, probably is partially a function of having made a comedy film and then scrapped it and then rapidly done another thing. Although I suspect the original screenplay for this movie was also just not very good. But part of it also is that I thought Alden Ehrenreich, whom I adore, was very boring in this movie through no fault of his own. I liked him. The writing is just dull, <laughs> so I found him like fine, but not particularly engaging. He had his kind of break in uh, the Coen Brothers' film *Hail Caesar*, which
0: I think we both would recommend. It's, oh God, he's so good in that. He's one of those. He has one of those rules where you're like physically laughing so much your body hurts.
1: Yes, and I remember like. I and basically like everyone who saw that came out of that movie was like, that kid is going to be a movie star. He is so unbelievably hilarious in that movie. So charismatic. And when all the behind the scenes stuff was going down with the film, one of the things that got talked about a lot was that they had had to hire an acting coach for him. Which happens all the time. Like, that's not abnormal. But they clearly were throwing him under the bus because, like, they just needed a scapegoat.
0: I think he was one of the best things about the movie. Like, consistently.
1: I just don't... I don't agree with you. I think we just... We part ways there. I found him really dull. He
0: looks nothing like Harrison Ford. He also didn't seem like he was doing a strong impression of Han Solo. But there were moments where I was like, your facial expressions literally look like you fucking are Han Solo.
1: I think there were a few moments where I thought that too, but... And I wasn't, I didn't want or expect him to be doing a straight up impersonation because that would have been weird and unsettling and like not satisfying at all. Hmm. But, but, and as I said, we have seen him be intensely charismatic in another movie. He also did a little sort of fantasy romance film called Beautiful Creatures that's very schlocky and fun in which he's great. So I'm team Alden. Like he's, I'm a fan. I want him to do more stuff. I will happily watch him in other roles. But he's not fucking Harrison Ford, right? And this is not... No one could have taken this role and succeeded, no, in my opinion, right? And I remember all of us talking about this years ago when they were casting. I was like, nope, like, who is going to be foolish enough to do this? had this of, like, I,
0: ludicrous names. They had, like, what's his name from Baby Driver and stuff? He was on, like, <laughs> the, the last... Like, it's was, like, the guy from Baby Driver and, like... What like Jim O'Connell or whatever his name is? Joe no, O'Connor.
1: that was Jack O'Connell was the person I said they should pick. He oh, okay, was not no, actually no. on the shortlist. Okay, that I'm was just my guy, fan casting, the
0: guy from Man from Uncle, then because I always mix those two up. But like, maybe he was like the, the shortlist was just bizarre anyway. But it's like the whole concept behind this movie, as we said, is like bankrupt because you cannot like have this character. It just doesn't work. But like something I've been thinking about recently that maybe I should actually write about at work. Come to think of it, is that this movie feels like a tie novel, because I like tie novels. I read a lot of them, right? But the point of the tie novel is that it's different from reading a normal book and it's also different from reading fan fiction because fan fiction is almost always like either you're solving a problem that's wrong with the canon or you're giving some kind of emotional fulfillment and with tie-in novels it's like I want to see more of this world but it fills in some kind of canonical gap so to a certain extent they're informational you know and mm. with this a lot of this stuff like both the content of the film and the kind of the conversation around the film in terms of promotion was stuff like how did Hansel get his iconic gun and like what like check out this moment where Han and Chewie meet for the first time, and like how did Han and Lando meet? And I'm like, none of those are actually interesting. They are interesting to like the kind of core fan base of Star Wars nerds who are already going to watch this movie. But in terms of actually producing, I guess, a piece of art, right? <laughs> to 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 actually, you know, or or like a piece of mass market entertainment. Most people aren't interested in time novels. And also it's not something you can spend that much money and time on and be like, this is worthwhile. You know, it's like, basically this film is like a less emotionally satisfying Fast and Furious movie made by people who are trying to make a different kind of film. But it's pretending to be the last Jedi, and it can't do any of those things. (laughs) And it's just because, like, and also, like, a lot of the detailed things, like, sorry to keep talking over you, Morgan, but like a lot of these, like, like you said, there's parts that you clearly didn't pick up on. I mean, I'm sure I kind of just subconsciously did. But the part at the end, like the final, I guess, twist, is just so egregiously absurd. Like at the end, um, Kira, Amelia Clark kills off Paul Bettany, the villain, and it's like. Actually, the person who was in charge of this crime gang all the lo- along was Darth Maul. <laughs> and it's like, I completely accept that most viewers of this film will remember Darth Maul because he is perhaps the most memorable part of The Phantom Menace, but everyone thinks he's dead. Technically, he's alive if you've watched the Clone Wars animated series, but I would estimate b- between 5 and 10 million people worldwide have watched that. Probably not watched most of the episodes, though. And once again, they were already going to watch the movie. So it's like, what the fuck have you done? Why is Darth Maul here? It doesn't add anything to the story. It's like a weird Easter egg that even most Star Wars fans are going to be like, oh, okay, sure.
1: (laughs) Well, I was listening to um, the, the Ringers podcast on this film, which you could find on their network, and they were saying accurately that this clearly is meant to serve the same function as Darth Vader showing up at the end of Rogue One, right? Being like, oh my god, look who it is. But like, Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One, which... I don't know if he necessarily needs to be there, but I completely understand why they put him in, because- It's fine, yeah. Right. Like, whatever. I was not upset. He's the most iconic character in the entire franchise. It's related to the story. Sure. It's a pretty effective scene. He murders a bunch of people. Like, great. This,
0: it's like, literally, what the fuck? Like, this it's is not- It's confusing. And it's also meant to be an emotionally weighty moment because you're meant to care that Kira's decided to like go and be a crime boss. And you're like, instead of lingering on what is allegedly meant to be an emotionally important moment in Han Solo's life, you're like, oh, and here's Darth Maul. <laughs> right? And it, it really That's does feel okay. like a Marvel movie in a bad way. Yes. right? Because it's yes. like, oh, here's a teaser. And it's like, this is cheap and unnecessary.
1: <laughs> so bad. Bafflingly bad. They keep comparing themselves to Marvel, which is really interesting to me, like, t- defending the movie's poor performance. So if anyone hasn't seen the box office numbers, somehow, this movie made, I think, around $105 million over the three-day weekend in the US, and something like between 30 and 40 internationally, which is very About half bad. of what
0: Rogue One made, basically. Yes.
1: Very unimpressive. And the argument was was made by Lucasfilm like oh well you know not all of them have to be hits as you said they compared it to Ant-Man and they said you know people aren't getting sick of the Marvel movies which come out twice a year so there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do this basically but it
0: occupies a completely different cultural space
1: completely different also we you know should point out that Disney owns all of this stuff now so this is also just like a weird situation but it is not the same thing at all The Marvel movies are made up of like several different franchise properties that make, even though, I mean, recently the Marvel movies have started getting tonally quite different, which is exciting. But even when they were all kind of generically samey samey, the heroes are different characters. Like an Iron Man movie and a Captain America movie are not the same thing. They're different beasts. Star Wars is not. Like that. And it occupies such an intense, emotional, nostalgic piece of the cultural psyche that just flooding us all with them, I I don't think is going to pay off
0: them and also even the fact that they released it in summer instead of being like every christmas we watch a star wars movie is confusing because yes last year year before year before that christmas star wars movie then this year they got it in the summer but then the next star wars movie is coming out next christmas so it's like this weird blip where they're like we're not trusting it with the christmas market or whatever like it's very well,
1: i think they want to try to do two a year yeah which is why they've done this which and i know. agree with you i think doing one every christmas I still think that that's sort of an excess of Star Wars. But, like, Mm. sure, it becomes a Christmas event. That can be a traditional thing that your family does. You go to the movies at Christmas, you see a Star Wars film. Like, fine. But you don't need two a year. Like, This is just too much. No one needs this. It's excessive. And the people spoke, right? And But also, like, the movie is not great, as we've been saying. We we did enjoy it on different levels, but neither of us thought it was fantastic. The It got pretty good reviews, but they weren't, like, through-the-roof amazing reviews. And I was speaking to another friend of ours who was like, I actively do not want a Han Solo Ex- explanation. Right? Like, he's a character who, actually having the backstory, and I'm just gonna like erase this movie from my mind, it's fine. It, like, whatever. It does not help him as a character like you it want him it doesn't to add be
0: anything to his story or the story in general
1: right and all of the kind of things being like here's how he got his blaster that's not interesting in any way to anyone except the core fans as you were saying and, and i it's was trading
0: sh- cards like you can just put that on a card
1: exactly and the fact that they thought that that was going to be engaging to the same number of people who went and saw The Last Jedi, which also did worse than The Force Awakens, which is to be expected to a certain extent, but, like, if you only have these come out every other year, they're going to make more money, right? The whole thing is just so misguided to me. Like, I think that they're really fucking up. And, you know, whatever, knock yourselves out. Like, I would prefer better movies, but I'm not a diehard Star Wars person, so, like... It's fine, you know, but it's I mean, the thing is, it's no
0: skin off my back if the Hansel movie is bad, but the thing that frustrates me is that all this money and stuff could have been given to, like, a different character, yes. you know? Because, like, the obvious number one conversation about this is why are there not more movies with, like, a person of colour as the protagonist, right? Because, like, every Star Wars movie, as everyone has pointed out already, has, a, like, a white brunette lead woman. Yes. And then all these men surrounding her, you know? And... They've, I mean, Boba Fett is like the kind of the conversation, right? Because it's like the there's kind of a conflict at the moment in terms of the responses to this. There's like, obviously, old school fans who are just like, I've loved Boba Fett since I was a child. And I like, can't wait to see the Jetpack Man movie, which is like an opinion I cannot hold with. And then a lot of people are like, actually, this is like the only chance for a massive blockbuster to be led by a Maori character, which is legit. And then there's basically my opinion which is that this character is very boring and like the concept <laughs> is not good but like also at the same time Star Wars really needs to make a movie with a character of color in the lead and Han Solo was bad choice and so they've got this weird situation where it's like you've made yet another movie where like the whole creative team and the lead character are all white men and you've wasted it on this story that's like nothingness. And also, it's not just kind of unnecessary as a concept, but it's also unnecessary to the viewing experience. So part of the reason why so many people have skipped this is because like, you feel like you can skip it, right? Like, you cannot skip episode whatever number because that's like an essential part of the Star Wars narrative. Yeah.
1: Well, right. And I would be so curious to know how much money Rogue One would have made if they had flipped these in order, right? Now, we have... Talked about, and I've been talking with other people about the fact that Rogue One has much more, like, reason for being than this film. It is actually kind of about something. There's a real sort of idea behind it, which is that, like, they're trying to steal the Plans for the Death Star, which is like, a but also a very like, simple... not even the
0: plot because the plot is very simple. That movie grew on me so much because when I came out of it, I was a bit mixed. I was like, "Oh, this has structural problems," and now i like, I feel intensely emotionally attached to all of the characters in that film. And yes. I think it was like a really deep, like, deep emotional political story, <laughs> right?
1: I don't think that's like the standard experience of people watching that film, though. But like... it is
0: for Star Wars fans, and right? It's not for Han Solo, which is the thing.
1: Yes. As I said, I think it is a better movie than this, but like my barometer for stuff is always talking to um, my dad and his wife about things, which is obviously like a preposterously small sample size. This is not reflective of anything or two people, but they are people who definitely really like movies. They like a lot of really good stuff, but they'll also, they go to a lot of blockbusters and they like things that I would not necessarily like or go to. Um, So they're, I think, more reflective of like the average viewer than I am and somehow last year Rogue One came up in conversation with like a bunch of family friends and they were both like oh that horrible movie like they they hated it they've been like oh that one that was so bad and I was like oh that's interesting and I think probably the fact that that was the first extra Star Wars movie also really helped its box office because it was this kind of like novel thing um, and it did offer a kind of different perspective than the other films that we hadn't seen before. And obviously fans did really like it. Like, I'm not mad at that movie for existing, but I think it had, it had certain factors that, like novelty factors that Mm -hmm. helped its box office. And I wonder if like future, whatever the term they use for these non-episode movies Will continue to not do so well because obviously you can never really know what is exactly causing this. Like the fact that this movie didn't get the best reviews, I'm sure, contributed. Although they didn't get terrible reviews either. Um, but I, I just, it will be interesting to see what the trend is. Like how many people really are dying for a Boba Fett movie. I don't think the huge, huge numbers. We'll, we'll see if it just sort of continues to trend downward but as you said this is also uh, a movie about a man and why don't we take this time to transition into speaking about the female characters in this film which were bad this was a problem amelia clark cannot act think of all the posh young white english ladies she is stealing
0: roles from who can and she's just swooping in but there. But the people, but the people they auditioned, like, they, there was like a really long list of people they were considering for this, right? Cause like, the, there was like, there was a long period where they were like, oh, is it gonna be Amelia Clark? Or is it going to be Tatiana Maslany for this character, right? Oh! And also Tatiana Maslany was up for like another Star Wars movie, I think. But Tessa Thompson and Zoe Kravitz were both up for this movie. This no! movie. So Jessica Henwick, oh! who has a really minor role in one of the other Star Wars films. And they were like... This is scandalous to me. I know, it's it's shocking. It's like, Tessa Thompson, the world's most charismatic actor. So, Amelia Clark, as we said, she is, I would say, in the modern Star Wars franchise, she is by far the worst actor, because everyone... In it, in the other movies, like currently, is they're either good or they're very good. You know, there's no point where you're like, "Wow, dodgy performance," right? I have a, I have one quibble, but you continue, and I will,
1: I will argue with you. But like with
0: Amelia Clark, I think she's like actively not good at her job, right? Like in in Game of Thrones, it's like she has she plays one role, and I feel like I can be like, I can excuse people who think she's great in that because they've only seen her do that. But as soon as you see her do anything else, you're like, "Uh, shit, no, she's bad." But like the character she's playing it's like she's very unsuited to it because it's meant to be this very multi-layered noir femme fatale character where it's like she's troubled and she's gone through this really difficult life, but she's also really, she's she's you know three steps ahead of Han Solo at all times and she's working both sides and she's also like really sexy and there's literally none of that going on. All of the subtext is just delivered in dialogue that doesn't have any kind of emotional depth to it. So you're like, well, this is nothing.
1: Yeah, it's very poorly written character played by an actress who can't act. So that's a bad combination very
0: unfortunate I think she's abysmal in Game of Thrones also and I wasn't defending her performance in Game of Thrones as good I was just saying like you know if you if you internalize her as the queen
1: <laughs> I understand I understand but yeah then you you take her out of that and it just continues to be a train wreck i this is not personal I've never even seen an interview with her she's probably a lovely person but she can't act for shit Interestingly, the other person I think of in that category, although she's definitely not as bad, is um is Jones her name.
0: Oh yeah, uh-huh.
1: Yeah from Rogue is One, which I, Felicity... I remember
0: you like really disliked her in that film. Yeah. I was like, she's okay, but she's my least favorite character.
1: Yeah. Um who I think is also just like very bad. And his Literally won an Oscar. I don't... People are very... She's got a weird 50-50 split. People either think she's amazing or terrible, and I think she's terrible. But they keep finding these people. Like, obviously, Daisy Ridley is fantastic. But just get an actor, actress, who can act. Why is this, this hard? They've I got this to understand thing they for her. these they brunettes. Had other options. I know. It's so unfortunate. Um, so that's really bad. And and she has to do the thing where she, like, tells Han, he's so amazing and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just an abysmal role. It's really... Ugh. And then the other women... It's just... There are two fringings in this film. Two. Why? Why must they do this to us? So the more egregious one is that Tandy Newton, the wonderful Tandy Newton, is in this movie for, like, half an hour, backs. I... As we were saying earlier, she blows herself up on this bridge and she's been doing all this press and stuff, right? And I think she's great and have been like, oh, that's really cool. That they've got Tandy Newton in a Star
0: Wars movie and she dies so fast. And she doesn't I, get any character and I was just like this. nothing I was so shocked and not in like oh it's a shocking death I was like this is a fucking bullshit it was the first thing I wrote about like in my kind of post movie release coverage because I was like people need to know this before they watch the movie if you're someone who checks spoilers beforehand because a lot of people are going to be like I don't want to watch the film where the first black woman in Star Wars gets fucking blown up and it's like the, the context is ridiculous because it's not even kind of a full fridging it's not like she's killed off to give her husband Woody Harrelson some emotional depth it's more like she's killed off just because they had to kind of remove a couple of characters to thin out the cast because when she blows herself up she's got to kind of blow up part of the, the train rails so the train can be derailed and they can steal stuff off it and she's surrounded by the enemy she doesn't see any way out so she's like oh it's been great husband I guess this is it and then like blows herself up and that means the train can be derailed but She's not sacrificing herself to save the lives of the team or her husband. She's sacrificing herself so her husband gets a payout. And even though the scene does technically mean like, oh, she couldn't survive anyway, they decided to write that scene. So it's just like, it's a very poorly written situation where her life is undervalued. And then after she's dead, you see that Woody Harrelson is like angry about it and he's upset. But then it doesn't become like a core part of his character and you've wasted this amazing actress who's also like really hot right now because everyone fucking loves Westworld and she's the only good thing in Westworld. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? She was so cool. And they don't, and like the obvious thing that they should have done is just swapped their roles around because then you have a really interesting kind of like mentor student dynamic with Han Solo, which you would not have been expecting. And instead you've got like, oh, Woody Harrelson playing the character you expected and Tante Newton's dead.
1: Well, right. And you know that it literally did not occur
0: to anybody to do that which is what's so depressing it's just so oh especially the constant the constant media pressure for kathleen kennedy and Lucasfilm to hire people of color and women to make these movies and then it's like uh this is what you delivered <laughs> and after the last jedi <laughs> right
1: and later um when the sort of rebels show up at the end nonsensically the the sort of head bandit, and it's like these bandits who turn out to be rebels, whatever. Um, she takes off her helmet, and it turns out it's this young kind of mixed-race girl, which, you know, is supposed to be really shocking. And I think everyone in the theater thought that it was their daughter. Like, I, I did certainly I was like, did. oh, it's
0: their daughter. <laughs>
1: and everybody gasped. And then you realize that it's not. And clearly they just wanted to cast another person of color in the movie. But the only way they could do it was this, like, nonsense role and, oh my god! I was just so aggravated. Like it was and so And I, I hate the
0: trope where it's like someone takes off their helmet. and It's like actually it was a woman all along. And it's yes, like, that's not a good reveal. No, That was that was maybe a good reveal in, like, 1970. Right! <laughs> like, it's, you cannot do that now. And I was just like, and also, like, the character, and as soon as you introduce her, it's like, simultaneously, the character is, like, very basic, but also conceptually is immediately more interesting than Han Solo, even though she's not explored at all. Because you're like, oh, she's a teenage girl who's somehow at the head of this bandit troop who disguised himself as a crime gang, but are actually supplying the rebels with all this material. That's more interesting, and it's still a heist movie. <laughs>
1: right? Oh. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. But the one, the one woman who actually gets some great stuff to do, although they still treat her badly, is L3 the droid, voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who was the only thing that consistently got laughs out of my audience, who basically were silent the entire time. I must tell you- Her physical comedy is so good. Yes, so this afternoon I went to see the new independent film First Reformed, which I recommend to anyone who wants to feel incredibly depressed. It is, a re- <laughs> it is a religious climate change drama, so just wrap your head around that one. It takes place in the winter, there is no color anywhere, and people were laughing more in that film than they did in solo that like objectively absolutely I was like oh this is really unfortunate <laughs> Like, oh no but the one thing that everyone was laughing at in my theater was T.B. Waller bridge is destroyed who wants to liberate the machines tremendous just wonderful I was like you're great I love this y- you clearly improvised like everything that you're saying and it's better than everything else in the movie so that's fine and they still kill her so prematurely, and Lando's really sad. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, why? Why would you do that?" I don't.
0: Oh, yeah, there wasn't any reason oh. for her to be dead because they no. could just had her fly off into the sunset with Lando and be like, "Oh, cool." And then Otherwise have her in the Lando movie Lando's that they're supposed to make, right? Like, they're not even. They're they've just talked right. about it. They're right. not even. You know. I don't actually believe
1: that's going to happen. But if they were ever theoretically to do so. Then they could have, like, it doesn't make any sense for them to have killed her. The only reason was that then Donald Glover, who of course is wonderful in this film, although I didn't think they even gave him enough to do. Oh, no,
0: they definitely didn't. Because I was like, I was enjoying him. And then towards the end, I was like, Lando actually hasn't had a role.
1: <laughs> no, he's really just in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's just there to like deliver a really great Lando performance. And his yeah. clothes are great. And he's really fun. Um, But it's actually less meaningful than his role in the original trilogy. Oh, for sure. Because in that you're actually getting introduced. Like, I checked and he has 14 and a half minutes of screen time in the original trilogy. And you get, like, a whole character from that. You do really get what kind of person he is. There's a lot of basis there. And in this, they really kind of extrapolated from that and they were like, great, you've got a perfect Lando characterization here and cast it really well. But it didn't explore anything. And unlike Han, that's a character you can explore.
1: Yes. So... (laughs) It's very frustrating. It just felt like, yeah, it it was a movie that had no idea why it existed. The only reason it existed was to make money. Um, Our friend Elizabeth, the thing she immediately compared it to, which had not entered my mind at all, but I thought it was a very apt comparison, was Fantastic Beasts. This is definitely a better movie than Fantastic Beasts, which is its own sort of unique category of incompetent if if someone was
0: like we've got to watch the han solo movie tonight at my house i'd be like sure okay if someone was like we've got to watch fantastic beasts i'd be like i've suddenly got a migraine (laughs) right
1: like goodbye i'm leaving now um but it is definitely a valid comparison in the sense that those are two movies that absolutely exist for no reason other than to make a profit like that's it that's the only reason that anyone was like we must do this 100% 100% the only reason. And it was really interesting. We went back to her apartment after, and we watched um, X-Men First Class, which I had not seen in a couple of years, although I have seen it many, many times. And it, we had not planned this to be, like, a conceptual double feature or anything, but it was totally fascinating because I was like, oh this movie actually has like a reason for being and X-Men is kind of a unique situation because like the origin mythology of Magneto and whatever is so baked into the actual story that there is like a reason to do a prequel. Like it makes a lot of sense. And the space the franchise was in at that time, like the original actors were getting old. They wanted to reboot it, like whatever it's fine. But the central relationship is so compelling it has like, a youthful energy. There are a lot of problems with that movie that people have discussed at length. But the actual film, like it feels like it should exist. And I was You're, like, man. You really get to
0: wallow yeah. in an emotional story.
1: Yes. The flaws with race and gender stuff watching it now are still like oh god but a lot of the other flaws in terms of like the historical nonsense whatever actually make it more fun because you're like this is just so stupid yeah i would not even (laughs) classify that as
0: a flaw like
1: (laughs) and like a lot of just this general stupidity of it is part of what makes it fun and then the like genuine pathos of the central relationship is weirdly pure in a way even though it's like totally queer baiting and it was, it was just fascinating to watch them together because obviously, of course, the X-Men movies continue to get made because Fox wants to make money. Like, duh. That's why all of these movies ultimately get made. But you get the sense watching that the people who are making it, like behind the camera and the actors, were genuinely engaged with the material. Like, they actually cared about what they were making. I don't think that continues to be true the, the, no. the later X-Men movies that those yeah, people made. the most
0: made recent one was mm,
1: yeah. Was very bad. But that first one, you... Like, it is creatively interesting in a way even though it's like total blockbuster schlock, these movies can actually be executed well and still be like mainstream stuff, right? And this was just so sort of lifeless and unnecessary as you said at the beginning in a way that was just kind of depressing to me because they could be doing so much with all of their endless cash and they've chosen to do this so
0: maybe okay, they'll the whole, learn the whole the whole concept of these star wars stories things is it's just so bizarre to me that they've decided that the best way to use them is to re-explore old stuff right yes. which i know is like obviously yeah it's stupid but it's like with rogue one a lot of people are like oh yes it's the origin story finding the death star plans and it's like That's really not what it is at all. That's the basic kind of concept of the plot. Everything else about it is new material and it tells like a new kind of story and it has a new emotional energy. And it's just like the, the, the universe is so huge here. It's not like they're kind of wanting for material. The the idea of like reiterating this like Han Solo stuff is just why are you doing this? And like the 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 examples of stuff that like I really want a movie about personally, everyone has their own stuff. A lot of people are like, I really want them to bring stuff back from the old kind of expanded canon, Mara Jade or whatever. Even just watching Phantom Menace, I was like, we could have like a whole movie that's just about the handmaidens. A bunch of teenagers who go to diplomat school and go on like cool adventures. And you could have a whole movie about the Jedi Academy. You can have like historical movies set earlier in the t- or, like thousands of years in the past about like the Jedi. you know, you could do a martial arts movie about like the early Jedi. There's so much material, and it's like, oh no, we're gonna do like, a generic action movie, even though there's like fifty of those from every other franchise, but yeah we've we've done our complaints now, yeah, we have re- reiterated ourselves. <laughs> don't watch this, go
1: to another film, rewatch Black Panther, I don't know,
0: oh yeah. Which is officially going to be the highest grossing movie of 2018 now. There's just, yeah. I mean, unless Aquaman mysteriously becomes the most popular movie of all time, it's going
1: to be Black Panther. Which, you know, a a movie about people of color with great female characters. Perhaps someone will learn from this, or they won't. Uh, We'll see. Um, Yeah, thank you for listening to us bitch and moan about solo for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's uh, so weird to feel this negative about a film, which I actually would classify as fine. Yeah. But I want to see a fine Star Wars movie. <laughs>
1: Precisely, yes. Um, if you would like to uh, support us on Patreon and have access to fun extra content and vote on things, you can find us at patreon.com overinvestedpodcast. You can also find us at our website, overinvestedpodcast.com, on Twitter at overinvestedpod, or on Tumblr over invested podcast. Thanks. Bye.